Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of the hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Hi, I'm Caleb Shively, host other. Amazing designation. That's one of the top designations. <laughs> um, so every two weeks on Actually Best Choice Movies, we tell you about two movies. One of them is old, one of them is new, and they're related in some way, uh, some complicated way, like two adult humans uh, who are trying to be, have a romantic partnership together. Yeah. Uh, would you um, say, Caleb? I would say this. Uh, sometimes it's just that movies have a shared theme. This week's theme is divorce, just because there was a new movie out we wanted to see called Divorce. Uh, actually, it's not called Divorce. It's called The Killing oh, of Two Lovers. Divorce, American style. Yeah. Um, there probably is a movie called Divorce. Um, and we're pairing that with uh, a separation from uh, 2011 2012, depending on where you live in the world. Yeah, both movies are diverse. There's a ton of movies about divorce in the world. Uh, we've done Marriage Story on this podcast before. We've probably done other ones. If Which I'm... would have fit, really, as the yeah, old her movie. Her had point. divorce in it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is true. That is, and parenting and divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are the two movies this week. Did, did, you, you said both the titles, right? I sure did. I even got yeah, one of them wrong at first. You called it divorce. Well, that's so fucking embarrassing for you, Caleb. Um, I just said divorce. That's all this week. I'm actually best choice. Movies. Movies. Okay, but before we get to any of that, so this is like a real before we get to any of that this time, because this movie that we're going to, the first one we're going to talk about this week, uh, Caleb and I both saw it physically in a movie theater it's happening everyone. it's happening it's so crazy yes uh thank goodness for movie theaters opening up uh it's a very nice cool thing we get to go experience because movies are i've said this before movies are made to be seen in the theaters movies are made, movies are made for the theater brother they really are mm -hmm. um I, this is not even the first movie you saw in the theater, right? You saw another no, movie. No, I saw uh, Together Together, which I'll talk about that for a sec, just for the sake of not spoiling well, our future conversation. But yeah, Together Together. Uh, it was actually special because uh, I've seen Patty Harrison, who stars in Together Together, live in New York for a super long time. Like, she's been like, the, as a person who goes to New York stand up shows, she's like one of the best. And of course, I wouldn't like go support someone I've been supporting for like five odd years or whatever so that was yeah. cool to see and ed helms is in it and it's a movie and i was back in the theater yeah but wait this is this is the, <laughs> this is the topic right now caleb we're getting completely sidetracked by talking about this fan fantastic patty harrison who stars in together together I had to give her a shout out but yeah fantastic person uh yeah and great comedian etc um but yeah being in the theater caleb like how did you feel when you were booking your tickets because i'll tell you i was like committed to going mentally but then also i was just like you i can just scream it at home like it's only three dollars like maybe oh, I, should I just go i was like i honestly was kind of scared to get a movie ticket oh i wasn't scared i love i missed it so much i wish i did it sooner which so you, uh you were not i did like the first day you had, I you had no misgivings about going dude to it's theater. Going a movie is theater is like my safe space. It's like where I like being more. Like I I get to watch a movie in silence. It's awesome. I was <laughs> so there for it. Well, that is uh, interesting. You say that. Well, no, I mean, go ahead. Did you have something else? I was just gonna say like just this things that you met. Like not only just like not being interrupted, but like my dogs and shit. But also uh, sound design, <laughs> and also uh, picture. Like oh, I get, get, get notice things on picture and. Uh, 
yeah, uh, I mean, lighting and space, and it's all much so much better. I noticed it on a big fucking screen. I loved yeah. it. Caleb, I had not paid attention to something this closely in the for a year and a half. You know, like I had not just like because it, it literally you cannot have your phone out. Like I was watching a movie, oh, I didn't have my phone out. That it was is crazy. Thing. You know, it's so good. Yeah, they'll yell at you if you do that. It's great. Yeah, and I was like, I cannot. Be- I literally cannot believe I am not allowed to have my phone out during this movie. It seemed like unjust in a certain way. You know? No, if anything, it's uh, wrong that people do that at home, and I hate it. I kind of get mad at uh, my wife for doing that, it, but it's, I shouldn't because it's our home. Well, it's kind of a sign that you're not really paying attention or interested in the thing. But like, I also do it during things I'm interested in, so you know, I feel like that's not really fair. Yeah, uh, I guess I do it during uh, like I do it during basketball games. I do it during uh, sitcoms that I don't really care about in general sorry keenan it was an all right show um uh but yeah uh i try to pay attention but yeah if i i i, I knew if i'm checking my phone more i know that it's hey, a sign really of a movie that's not as but it was great for me. it was great to pay attention to it was it was weird i mean how did you feel to be in the movie theater like i i am interested because i i definitely had lots of misgivings about doing this i was nervous to buy the tickets i was like kind of being a scaredy cat and like almost didn't get them and then um to go to the movie theater you know that was fun and then it was I. I went to Nighthawk. I went to Nighthawk in Williamsburg. I think you saw it at Nighthawk in Prospect Park. PP, and, yeah. Uh, I so it's in theater number one in Brook in Williamsburg. It's the huge, huge theater. I was sitting all the way in the back because wow. of how the tickets are or whatever. I just made a mistake, and um, I was felt safe. I felt safe to be there. Like oh sure. I, I was a little like weirded out going in and I was thinking like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the point of doing this? But then I don't know, you sit down there, especially cause at Nighthawk you eat dinner. So I'm just kind of used during the pandemic to like having a beer and a and dinner. And, you know, it didn't seem that unusual to have my mask off, mm-hmm. but it was, oh, also, I don't know, but it was, it very quickly felt like it was back to normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say for listeners that me and Chris are both vaccinated and have two weeks yes, and we right. did. That was part of our discussion. Like, Oh yeah, we're fully, both, fully vaccinated. Fully, yeah. So that's, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and again, it's your own personal decision, so don't just. Of course, listen. but this is, I mean, just do whatever we say. But do whatever um, you, you do, whatever I say to do. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because, like, you if you believe that the vaccine works, and like, of course, <laughs> I do believe that the vaccine works. Then, yeah, there's no problem with doing something like this. But still, I just had a little bit of nervousness while doing it. You know, I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's a lot of probably a lot of getting back to the world is going to be some nervousness though. But uh, since we did shout out Nighthawk already, I will say like they're doing a cool thing where it's like 33 percent capacity. Like yeah. it's uh, like there's so much space like there's no one's gonna sit next to you unless it's like the person you came with yeah when Uh, you buy a ticket they blank out the two mm -hmm. seats on either side of you yeah it's amazing it's also like uh make sure you get a ticket (laughs) things will sell out quicker Uh, but also uh their staff is uh hired like they hired extra staff too so like less in money from tickets and more more money for staff like good for them like to fans take take the hit if, if anything uh I'll continue to support them also because it's a close movie theater for me. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I is, could drink during that movie. Thank you. Night it's, yeah. It was great to have two beers. I mean, right. I didn't get to have my phone out, but I did get to have two beers and dinner. So it was like easing myself back into them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I ate during the first movie. I saw it was a lighter comedy. I didn't have to pay closer attention, but uh, I just drank during killing of two lovers. Mm, that's cool yeah it's always a little weird to have a full dinner during like a serious drama it just feels inappropriate yeah. somehow yeah it is yeah but i did it <laughs> it when it was fun so <laughs> um and of course these two movies are are about divorce uh caleb did you have anything you wanted to say about that uh you yeah, know uh 
great divorce, separation, drama, film. Specificity makes it stand out like a like Marriage Story, which we covered. Uh, I think those were two uh, compelling enough characters and performances. Kramer versus Kramer with Hoffman and motherfucking Streep. Such good. They got the uh, scenes from a marriage, which I think we did with it. Uh, you know, they're character-driven pieces, and that's what makes them good. I think uh, you could either lean into the actual drama of the proceedings of a separation, which I think the first movie uh, does in, in its own unique way, and or you could have it as uh, be a super creative and have it in the uh, as this part of your story, which uh, I think I referenced her smell, uh, even though that's not just one small aspect of that movie. But uh, separation, uh, it's called a separation, but I would say. It's a lot of things. It's not just about that separation, which is amazing. It's just a very cool, actually, best choice movie. And both these movies are very good. Yeah, that's all I'm saying as an intro before we get into it. <laughs> yeah, do you want to do it? Do you want to do these movies now? Shall we? Our first movie this week is 2021's The Killing of Two Lovers. Yeah, it's so late. I didn't get to say bye, so I just want to come by and say goodnight and I love you. I only agreed to do this because you promised me that we were going to work through this. You need to fight. You need to fight for us. David, can you look at me? This is my family. They're worth it. The Killing of Two Lovers is a new film written, directed, produced, and edited by Robert um, McCoyan, I guess maybe is how you would say it. I'll say that. Yeah, it stars this guy, Clayne Crawford, who I thought looked disturbingly like a buff Bobby Moynihan. Like, did you ever pick that up? I was thinking that the whole time I was watching the movie. Uh, it premiered at Sundance in 2020. It was acquired by Neon. And if you live somewhere like New York City, it's one of the couple of movies that are out in the movie theater right now, uh, which is crazy to be back to this world. But yeah, it's one of the couple movies playing. And when I saw it at Nighthawk, it was pretty full in the movie theater. Um, anyway, so... The title and the jarring first scene of the movie give it give the give it an air of doom and dread. Uh, but otherwise, really, it's a pretty normal kind of domestic drama about a man trying to deal with his failing marriage, his sick father, and also trying to parent four children, um, all while his wife has started seeing another man. Uh, it's filmed in Utah, which is actually really interesting. Um, I thought the suburbs have this look. Uh, where it's like uh, they're dropped from the sky, you know, in this vast forbidding landscape that like doesn't 100% looks like people should live there, which I do think is what a lot of like the very modern American West looks like. So I thought that was really interesting. Like in a bunch of scenes, there's just like little tract houses and then there's way in the background, there's just like a gigantic mountain and like nothing in between, which is a very interesting thing to see on film. Um, so I don't, and I don't want to spoil the movie, but uh, maybe we will spoil it soon. Uh, I think it succeeds in drawing you in, but I don't think it ever quite delivers on the promises that it's making. Um, and the and I I maybe that's good. But I when I live in the movie theater, I heard a couple of guys talking, and one of them said like I've never seen a bigger disconnect between a trailer and a movie. Which I know trailers are bullshit. You hate. Them. I mean, that's what I say all the time. That's I know it's like your catchphrase. <laughs> trailers are bullshit. Um. Anyway, I like this movie, but I wouldn't say that I loved this movie. Uh, Caleb, what what did you think about this movie? A uh, very nice piece of filmmaking uh, here. Uh, a lot of visual shots helping uh, build toward uh, uh, an ending, uh, like filling that powder keg uh, with powder. Uh, and it is a super <laughs> suspenseful ending. I, I thought that was one of the best uh, I mean, yeah. uh, scenes I've seen. I, I was on the edge of my seat during this uh, build up to an ending. 
Uh, but yeah, when I say visual, uh, like I said, it's a very visual movie. Uh, like, sure, we get these big sweeping shots. Uh, we get a lot of uh, close-ups of the character reactions to uh, with families together uh, his, with his kids and it's like scenic and beautiful or just like doing cool stuff like shooting rockets. But also visually in the sense that we, the audience, get to see and know things that the characters don't. Uh, like what you alluded to, that uh, the movie starts off right. with yeah. him holding a gun over a bed. I mean, and this like is in it's the trailer, kind of, right? It means we're not really spoiling it. It's, it's in the trailer and it's like the first second of the movie. And they do a lot of this stuff at the beginning where it's just like he has a, he's going to kill people. It's called, the the title also. Uh, it's called The Killing is, of Two Lovers, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, and you, the first scene that somebody has a gun and you're like, okay, well, I guess I see where this is going, you know? And, and I think they put a lot of the, um, uh, that towards the beginning. Because then, like you said, it just becomes like a, a a pretty straightforward drama after a while but then we the also first 10 well because yeah. the first 10 minutes are it all kind of seems like it makes sense you're watching a movie called the killing of two lovers and i almost had a moment where i was like is this movie going to be like happiness where i'm like rooting for this guy to commit a horrible crime but he keeps bungling it and can't quite do it i'm like is that what this movie's going to be about and i would say that is what it is about for like the first 10 minutes of the movie and then it just completely becomes a different movie basically but i think that's interesting in the sense that like we like we, uh, we like we don't know what's going on we learn afterwards that like he's going through a separation uh but first thing we're seeing as an audience is that this man is a threat <laughs> to these right. people and then we also learned that yeah. uh this is a response to uh a a, a, a domestic uh, or in his relationship this is a, a toxic response he's choosing to possibly murder his wife uh that the is mother like of his children you know and then the we just like the like we're saying uh, the movie is just oh he we get to understand him and it's kind of amazing like we see him as a family man and thriving in that role he's a great dad uh now we get to uh contemplate the idea of that being taken away from him and we, we understand that like that is destroying him he's like we see this man right being destroyed and uh but still he has this inclinations toward violence like they come back to it like he has a gun he has a a a dummy he beats up (laughs) and shoots Uh, so like we but but i'm saying like we understand his like state of mind which is wild because he's a a potential murderer right well and i had another moment too where i was like is this this movie that it's going to be like elephant like i'm like i'm like inside the mind Mm -hmm. of this man leading up to him like committing some kind of awful murder and it's like you really kind of understand why he does it but at the same time you like don't like approve of it you know but i but you kind of puts you in that mindset um I would say just speaking of his mindset and speaking of understanding this character, I mean, there's a, so you said he's a really good dad. He has four children in this movie, including one teenager who's like oh, so much trouble. Good Lord. And um, that's teenagers, man. The teenagers for you. You know what I'm saying? I'm not looking forward to it, Caleb. I'm really <laughs> not. Um, but there's so like, OK, look, he's got a gun. It's called the killing of two. Like he's holding a gun to his wife's head while she's asleep in the first scene of the movie. OK, maybe five or six minutes later in the movie, he's talking to his kids and they are like saying something bad about the mom. And he goes like, Hey, don't talk about your mom like that. She tries her best. Okay. She gives so much to you kids and she's doing everything she can to raise you to be good people. And it's like, literally he had a gun to her head like several minutes ago. 
And you're like, that tells you a lot about this guy's mindset, right? That he's like, he's trying so hard to be a good person. And it, but he has so much like anger and resentment under the surface, but like on the surface, he's just the most dutiful, nice person. But like underneath the weight of all that, he's like yeah. cracking, you know? Uh, so his name's, uh, this guy, his name's David, uh, is played by C- Clayton Crawford, which is, uh, he has to do a lot of acting and a lot of performance in Looks this movie. Looks disturbingly uh, like a buff Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> you sure, know? I guess. I, I, I guess. I, I, I see. I maybe see that. <laughs> but yeah, David, uh, which I think my favorite running joke is it's such a small enough Utah town that everywhere he goes, is like, oh, hey, David. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just like and there's no follow up half the time. He just is like, oh, yeah, hey. Uh, uh, but it's like but he's yeah, like he... trying to murder somebody or do something really <laughs> bad. And they're like, hey, David. And he's like, hey, OK. <laughs> But yeah, he's a a man shoving his own worst instinct down. Like he he could shoving it down, putting that sweetness forward. Uh, and it's when he's shoving it down, he's also let it boil up too when it comes out. Uh, like he's sweet with his wife, he sweeps with his kids. Like he does a lot of cool kid stuff. Like he, he learns Mitch Hedberg jokes for his kids. Oh That's God. a very sweet That's thing. So sweet. It's uh, so sweet. It's yeah. like I said, he's a potential murderer, and I think that's what makes such a good performance from Clayne Crawford is that he does humanize this person. I like, do understand where this person, like how, like he got here, uh, which sucks. Cause like, I don't want to be that way, but it's a, that's a toxic male. I guess as a male, I, I'm easier to understand it. Uh, but yeah, uh, you mentioned his teenage daughter and there's a lot of interesting back and forth with his teenage daughter, uh, a teenage daughter, a character who truly doesn't understand what is going on or the emotion, emotional heft of what she's feeling. Uh, and he's, all for like his instincts kick in. He's like comforting her, but he just really can't explain the situation. And then that, I think that was good as a, in the screenplay and as a a audience member to be like, yeah, this is like him being like, I don't know what I'm doing here either. He has, we get to say that straight up to a character who truly doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, Yeah. It's a nice little uh, audience surrogate trick. Not (laughs) even another trick. Yeah, I mean, Clayton Crawford, he's, I mean, obviously it's it's his movie. He's the star of the movie. Like everything that is happening in the movie, you're just watching him experience emotionally. And he gives an amazing, amazing performance in this film, I think. Um, you can see him contain so many things at, at the same time. And, but he does have this thing where he's gets too angry and he screams and shouts and he punches things and he's like, loses his temper. And like, you know you do feel like you understand him. You just, I mean, as a, I just wanted to, you know, put my arm around his shoulder and be like, Hey buddy, come on now. Come on. It's not, this is not, this is not the way to deal with this. Like, let's do, you know, let's do something else. Like, let's go get a beer or something, you know, tell me all about uh, it. Like, don't, don't just stand in a field and shoot a dummy and be <laughs> angry. You know? Well, there is like, uh, his wife does say that they're, they're not officially uh, divorced. They're still, uh, trying to work things out. Uh, cause he wants to be there for his kids. He also loves his wife. Uh, his wife is, uh, her name is Nikki. Uh, the actress's name is Sapita Mofi. Um, and maybe she, she has, a, she's in it a bit, but we are following David not. for the most part. Yeah. But she just have this one big scene that's pretty informative. And it's also informative in this sense of his frustration. It's a big scene where they go on a date, like we uh, established, I'm looking forward to it. It's a oh, Friday night date, but it just ends up being like, she doesn't really like want to leave the kids too far. So they just drive around the block. It seems all more like she planned. doesn't really want to spend any time with him is really what it seems I know. like, you know, I was coming out of that out of like his perspective, like, Oh, maybe yeah, we're parents. We got to do this. But also like during that date, uh, the guy she's seeing shows up at the house while they're like just God. waiting outside. And, and she's like, make Oh, fun I didn't him. know. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know what was going to happen. They do laugh at that. And also like they get to watch their kids 
uh, he brings flowers and the daughter kind of tells him off. Uh, then a couple seconds later, we see the three young boys take the flowers and throw them outside and stomp on it. They run back in. Then they, they run back out and say, bury the evidence. Bury the evidence. And they laugh. I mean, that's very funny. funny. It's very Seems, cute and funny. Yeah. Um, but I would say this is actually, you know, kind of one of the shortcomings of the movie. It's like, I don't necessarily think that the wife has a really well fleshed out motivation. I mean, she seems pretty unsympathetic from like the jump. She seems kind of like annoying and like she is. It, you kind of get the impression it's like she thinks she's better than him, you know, and like he's poor and she like works at a law firm, you know, and but is like a paralegal or something, you know, but you get the sense that it's like she thinks she's better than this, you know. I mean, they do kind of lay that and out. I think that, that that's like a failure of the movie a little bit because I didn't feel like I was seeing things from her, her point of view, like not for one second. Uh, I think they, they purposely try not to show her. So it's not a, really a failure of the movie. Um, if anything, like like I said, we only get one scene with her. And, and like that's where they explain more of her, like that we got all the information about her being a paralegal and that she is happy that he provided. Uh, and she does, like, I think that's a, a very underrated performance in that scene too, because she has to show a, a, a kind of a, a range, a gamut of emotions here yeah. in uh very small scene like she's the consternation of it all like she's happy with them she's laughing she's singing it singing a song uh, she's feeling guilt too uh yeah and then the, a lot of the rest of the of her in the movie we don't fully get to see where she is at in the relationship and probably because she has chosen someone else at this point and just really can't fully break it off which is uh you know tougher yeah. to write but also like if we want to spend it with the character you're going to spend it with more with uh david's character yeah like this is definitely the dynamic they have is like he thinks that they are separated and trying to work things out and she just wants to get a divorce and doesn't want to be with him anymore and it's just kind of like yeah. as a con- courtesy to him saying like oh okay yeah we're separated and we'll try to work the, it out uh the the note that uh sepetamofi gives here which i thought was good was that she still really cares for her husband though too right, like she right. still built a life and she still fully cares and it does pay off towards the at the end, which I guess we're get, we're building towards right now, as because uh, it is a uh, we alluded to under a, a fucking class ending. But I will say it's crazy. Uh, the ending is totally crazy, I, to, and I will to yeah, get I was, yeah to get no, to no, the no, ending. I'll just, yeah. to, I was just gonna say to get to the ending. I uh, 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 I said that she was an underrated performance. I think the his name is Derek. That's the guy she's seeing. I think that is a very underrated performance. His name is Chris Coy. I recognized him from The Deuce. He's in lots of stuff. Uh, you might recognize. Yeah, him. I recognized him too. He what? What else has he been in? Because he seemed. I felt like I'd seen him in lots of things. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, he owned the gay bar in the Deuce. Uh, I know he was in uh, Detroit, that Catherine Bigelow movie, and he's probably in a ton of other TV shows. He's probably just like a, a working actor who gets a ton of TV work. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah, he was in you gotta, Banshee, you gotta, I guess. Banshee was. <laughs> Is this Showtime show? That's like it's like. It's like an action cop detective show, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Treme. He's in Treme. Anyway, you can cut all. I mean, out. yeah. I mean, uh, the dude. True Blood. Also, uh, yeah, dude. Good, good, but I'll say about his performance. Uh, two scenes, basically, an early scene where uh, it's purposely vague, and uh, I didn't fully realize that uh, David was stalking. Derek at this point. But oh, he, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it turns out he was. There's like a weird like, oh, hey, can you pour coffee on my? Thanks, bud. 
Hey, get some shit. Well, he's uh, stalking him. It's like it's a, the movie makes it seem like he's going to drive up beside his truck yeah. and just like shoot him through the window, you know? Yeah. But then he kind of loses his nerve at the last second. I think he has a phone call, but which is kind he of He gets funny, a phone but, call. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's that one scene where just like it's just familiar and like, again, we could see some headspace there. But then that we get a big bag scene. Like he comes, he drops off the kids after like a little spat with the kids, but he's like, he's, no, he's, he's, uh, Anyway, they have there is a, a an argument between uh, Nikki and Derek, and it was like kind of built uh, Nikki and David. It was kind of building towards that where like their parents, they, uh, their kids are having a tough time. They're talking, and they're here. They're talking about it, and it's getting kind of loud because you know that's a normal thing. As probably at this point, you're separated. Your kids are having a tough time, and this dude just comes out and inserts himself in the conversation. Oh, so uh, and I was a hundred percent on David's side, being like, "Get this fucker out of here!" Like he does not need to be here. But he, but Derek keeps insisting that. Uh, like oh I I should be here uh, I'm, I'm I care about this woman. That's so awful. It's it's so awful. It's that cringy. Uh, uh, it's expertly handled because it feels so real. It's so uh, interesting too because yeah, I think is- the way it's shot is like it for a long part of the scene when it's uh, the our two main characters having the argument. It's shot in a certain way, and then it's like right this Chris Crawford is, is that his name comes into the comes into the the frame. Chris Coy. Chris Coy and like oh Clayton 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 Crawford is David sorry oh right Clayton Crawford and then Chris Coy so Clayton Crawford and his wife are having this argument and then Chris Coy walks in the frame and like it's from kind of a it's a long shot from kind of a long way away they're kind of in silhouette and you just are getting this vibe where you're like oh my god like Clayton Crawford is gonna fucking murder this guy like this is what the whole movie's been leading up to and we've been seeing him so work so hard to try to keep himself under control and now it's not even really gonna be his fault because this guy is really provoking him and he doesn't know how dangerous he is but then something very different happens mm-hmm. that I really really mm-hmm. did well I would it's say it's because uh, the camera uh, angle switches I was- the camera angle switches then, and then it all the tension goes out of the scene. And yeah. you sort of seeing Clayton Crawford realize, like, oh, I'm being fucking yeah. crazy. I definitely shouldn't kill anybody. It's a good like, switch. Good edit, this yeah. is, And it's totally in just the way the shot switches, and it completely changes how you feel about it. Um, and then, right, something very, very unexpected happens. Mm-hmm. And it's the ending of the movie, so we won't fully spare it because it's that good of an ending. But it, uh, I would say it... Uh, as we built there, it uh, we get what we expect, but also it subverts our expectations yeah. in a way I didn't really feel to. It's yeah. a, a good ending. Um, it gives a new meaning to the title uh, than one you were mm-hmm. maybe thinking about. So we're talking a lot about the plot here, and Chris just alluded a couple of shots. I would say this movie is shot very cool. One, it's in a box aspect, man. You get that yeah. square. Uh, and you know, uh, the, the easy thing to say about that is like, oh, you want to... Uh, condensed feeling one a claustrophobic feeling of these characters that they're trapped which i guess i felt but also it was such big sky that like that didn't really track but i just thought it was a good way to center it and uh to do these because this movie's like tons of long shots uh like him just like walking his kids to the bus like that whole that whole last scene is just uh conversation and they flip it at the end drastically uh yeah there's just a lot of this long takes which again is good for performance uh yeah, it's quieter and internal nature of um, this movie puts a lot of onus on the performance, uh, yeah. which is yeah. realistic and believable. And it's like, yeah, subtly all over the place. Like we see these actors go like playful and with their kids or just, you know, quiet and like these big long shots. And then like we get to see like these close-ups where they're more emotional, where he gets to even like sing a song, they do a close-up on his face. 
uh yeah very interestingly shot uh like i, I even thought uh, when i was making my notes like wait was this in black and white no it wasn't <laughs> black and white it just felt like it that is, artistically rendered and, and it is kind of like washed out in a certain way this this yeah. very weird color palette where you know the whole beginning of the movie takes place at like five or six in the morning or something so it, it has that look of being in utah at six in the morning like the light is just very strange uh very muted very very muted um the other thing I, I love i do love the way it's photographed right i was talking about this whole thing like because they never even say where it is like i had to look up that it's in utah but i would drove out there a few years ago and i was like oh it doesn't look like those places out there it's just so weird these things because it's like it should look like a normal suburb, but it has been dropped in this weird, like high altitude desert where there's like no, absolutely nothing anywhere else. And then there's like some mountains in the distance. It just seems like, like no matter how many people are there, it seems abandoned. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's very strange. Um, the other thing I we should mention probably before we move on is just um, really in a certain sense, I would say you can make the argument that the second lead in the movie is really the teenage daughter. Uh, who's played by this woman who's named Avery Pizzuto. Uh, And she, it's a really tough part to play because it's her part just to kind of yell and make a big deal and like say these kind of cheesy, you know, wisdom from the mouths of babes kind of stuff. But she does a really, really good job, actually. I think it has some like, has to show a lot of like emotional complexity in a character that could otherwise be really like one note and annoying. Um, So I thought that was good. I think the grandpa who he's staying with and then the uh, two of the boys were actually related, which is cute uh, in real oh, life. That's cool. Yeah, they're cute kids in general. One's name is Bug. Um, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Impressive thing. 12-day shoot. I thought that was crazy when I read is that. Is that true? Uh, that means, yeah. Uh, he oh. had to like really plan out this movie, so he had those shots in mind, which is really cool. Um yeah, it's movie. So Chris, me and Chris almost said two. I don't know if we'll leave it in the show. Uh, me and Chris thought this was 2020 at first, but yeah. no, it's, it was. This is uh, we saw it last week. It's <laughs> a 2021 movie, it, huh? but it was premiered at Sundance in 2020. Uh, so, which is a very long time ago. It was pre-pandemic, technically, <laughs> uh, yeah, which is yeah. wild to think that was a thing. Uh, but yeah, it was bought up by Neon. Shout out to Neon putting out movies smartly, yeah, waiting to put this movie out in the theater. Neon who famously won an Oscar for distributing Parasite and does other great stuff. Uh, great documentary slate at Neon. Uh, yeah. Um, concise 84 minutes. I know I always appreciate uh, nothing oh, too, drug dragged out. Uh, yeah. 100%. I got the, well, cause it's a like tense saw- movie. So I think a tense mm-hmm. movie, it's good to have them be short because it's like an emotion that can build and then release, you know, mm-hmm. they do get out of the, uh, the ending pretty, uh, pretty quick. But yeah, when they dropped the, uh, cause we saw it at a, Nighthawk, and they dropped the check. I was like, "Oh, that's quick." I know. I thought so too. I was like, "Because they dropped the first dropped the check thirty minutes before the end of the movie." But I was like, "No, they must think that the movie started exactly on time." But really, there was like trailers and stuff. Like it started way later. Yeah, but yeah. then it was over. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was thinking about getting another drink, and then the check, like, "Oh, guess not." Bam! <laughs> Don't have to give them more money. Okay. Do you want to talk about the next movie? Yes, I do. Okay. It's called A Separation, and it's from 2011? 2011, 2012, if you're... I don't know if you saw it then. <laughs> <laughs> Tight, yeah. It's A Separation.
The separation in a separation itself is the inciting incident to the film, and what follows is simplistically complex, a story that allows Iranian director Asghar Farhadi to comment on class, marriage, honor, and more. So the story goes, after Simon and Nader's contemptuous split, the immediate issue is who will look after Nader's father, who suffers from Alzheimer's. Uh, a worker is hired, a woman who is deeply religious, but she becomes overwhelmed, and after an incident occurs where the father is left alone, another incident occurs, a bigger one to the plot that ends up with Simin Nadir, the woman whose name is Reze, and her quick-to-anger husband, all entangled in the Iranian legal system. All among this is Simin and Nadir's 11-year-old daughter, Terma, a character dealing with the separation of her parents, as well as the he-said-she-said legal issues that are flying at us now at this point. Complicated, sure, but it is guided by an insightful hand in Farhadi, who also wrote the screenplay. Uh, we see characters motivated by their own self-interest and their reasons for not fully coming forward with certain truths. Um, a Separation became the first Iranian film to win Best International Feature at the 2012 Oscars, where it was also nominated for the Best Original Screenplay. Chris, you feeling yes. it? Hey, Caleb. Well, <laughs> I certainly remember when this movie came out. Like you said, it won the Oscar for Best Friend. It was a very, very, very big deal when this movie came out. Um, I mean, partially because, I mean, I think, I don't know if this is going to sound patronizing to say exactly like this, but like, especially at the time, one of the most remarkable things about this movie was that it was uh, from from Iran, that it was made by Iranians, mm -hmm. that it tells an, a, a mm -hmm. story about, about living in, in, in modern Iran. I mean, this is only a few years removed from those, those like the green revolution in Iran where it seemed like everything was going to turn around and then it didn't. And then it was like even a worse crackdown. There's just a... And of course, this is during a period in the history where the U.S. had this really, really close interest in, in the Middle East, obviously, because of all the wars that we are starting there all the time. And but it was like back then, people used to care a little bit more. So Iran was like a country people thought about all the time and wrote about all the time. And obviously, John Stewart made his movie. John Stewart's movie is about Iran. Also, mm -hmm. um, it was a very, very in the zeitgeist thing. And I think there was it was a huge deal about this movie. Um, and I, I didn't see it until this time till this week but i do think it was very interesting because in a lot of ways you know removed from that by a decade right it's like it just seems to be a movie about people you know and it and people and they're <laughs> living in a very alien system to the one that i that we live in in america like sort of and it's very interesting because it's like very purely from the point of view of like a modern Iranian person, you know, like, and then there's just all these things that they take for granted and things that they have to navigate where it's like, they're so different than anything I ever have to deal with in, in my life. But they're sort of like the way they interface with these restrictions are, you can completely understand. They're the way you might deal with like parking tickets or, you know, I don't know, mm -hmm. like just like little things that exist or, you know, like a big medical bill, like where like somebody in, diff in a different society, they're like, what like you have to pay money to go to the doctor and you're like yeah of course you know but it's like that kind of thing like it's like just parts of their society operate differently so it's really fascinating to see that um but i think there was maybe like an importance quote unquote to this movie uh in 2011 that i don't particularly feel right now you know like i think it's a very interesting drama about adults living in a very complicated world 
Um, but I don't, I, there's a, I think there was a certain idea that like, this was like, you know, important to the world, this movie in some way, which I mean, uh, to me, all art is sure. Yes. But you know what I mean? Like not, this one isn't necessarily like so much more than other things. I get what you're saying. Like, it, uh, it helps humanize, uh, Iran to a lot of people, which is, right. uh, wild because like, that just means a lot of the people didn't think of people in Iran as people. As people, exactly. Like if you approach this movie thinking like, okay, yeah, Iranians but... are like modern people <laughs> who deserve to live and like they just are basically normal people like anyone else, then there's not anything particularly revolutionary about it, you know? Uh, I mean, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's uh, uh, one of the more morally complex films of uh, the last 10 years. Like it, it jumps so many, uh, like none of these characters are right or wrong or they are and their art and the way they handle themselves is so not even truthful to themselves. It's uh, the way he handles it, the way he makes it so uh, easy to digest is outstanding filmmaking. Like he, he's a, a, a screenwriter first and I don't know, he uh, he's not, this is like his big breakout film about Ellie, I think was his, uh, he won a silver bear for that. And uh, I mean, that's helped fund this movie. And then there's other, of course, uh, the great Jeff Arpanafi and other great Iranian directors, uh, who's been doing this. So it, I think it was just because of uh, it was a good movie. It won. So I, I think it's... Yeah, I mean, it is a good movie also. I'm not trying to say it's not a good movie. It is a very, very good movie. And I, I really enjoyed watching it. And the performances are amazing. And, you know... Yeah, uh, like, it's yeah morally complex. Like, Islamic law is front and center in this movie. But that just is the reality of these people's lives. Uh, like characters are trying to use uh, religion as a guide uh, in to an extent in this movie uh, as, as that is their chosen life. That is what they do. But it's this guide, this, uh, this Islamic law is not making it easier. Their decisions less. If anything, it's making their uh, decisions more complicated and yeah. uh, making them more quick to anger. And, I don't know. It's a lot of. Can I say something about? Can I say something about that? What you're just saying, the Islamic law stuff. I mean, there's a great scene in the movie, like sort of towards the earlier part of the movie, where right, he, the main character, hires this woman to come in and look after his dad, and the dad soils himself, he wets himself in bed, right? And so there's, she doesn't want to change him, like because eventually we realize if you're an American, like oh, it's because she's not supposed to see another man naked. And then there's a scene where she calls like she's calling like a religious hotline to get advice on whether or not it's a sin to change his, to, to, to change him, you know, and they're like kind of arguing about it, but then eventually we understand she gets permission. Yeah. Like that is so interesting to me, you know, that was yeah. really, really interesting. So yeah, I, I alluded to them in my intro, but yeah, the inciting incident is that, yeah, she leaves him alone. Uh, but then when he gets mad that, uh, she comes back, uh, uh, Nadir is furious with this worker that has, she left a husband alone. Uh, she did have a reason for leaving, which is you know part of the complex nature of this movie. But then, like he pushes her out the door, uh, and not knowing that when he pushed her, like like it was a violent act, and that she fell, uh, she claims to have a miscarriage from that. Which uh, a lot of this movie claims on. Um, did he actually know if she was pregnant or not? And there's like a small detail early in the movie where they just have a conversation not even thinking about. Cause it's just like the daughter's drawing and stuff. Uh, and that's, that's what this movie does. It just like puts out small details where you're just watching humans interact and then, Oh wait, that comes back later. Like, yeah. uh, uh, like, I don't know, like one of them was a torn garbage bag. 
comes back into play. That's why they mopped the floor. That's why the floor was wet in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, even interestingly, just like, you don't you don't actually see her fall down, so you don't actually know what oh, happened. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, it's a great uh, choice as a filmmaker. Yeah, is, so you are so getting to read into dark it. There. We see the people's reactions, but yeah, we see it. They even try to recreate it later. Like, she wouldn't fall this way. She would go straight. I mean, that was maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie. So that the it was whole, a good edit, too, when they get there, yeah. At a certain point, the whole movie becomes like, did he push this woman down the stairs? or did That he? was a very Seinfeld scene. I thought of George Costanza. I was it's like, that's very just, what that George would do. So the, he's, it's basically like his, he's having this disagreement with his daughter about whether or not he knew this woman was pregnant, right? And so, and then, but he knows really the disagreement is about his daughter who was there at the time, like thinks he really is guilty. And so he, he just kind of storms out and he says like, okay, look, you can't even, even if I threw you out the door, you wouldn't fall this way. You'd fall this way. And then they're talking about it for a while. And his daughter finally goes, well, if you think this, why don't you tell the police? And he kind of raises his eyebrows. And then in the next scene, the police are and all it, there. And do a like, cut to it. It's he's only time throwing the police around yeah. and they're all like, it's so- I mean, I, just, I thought that was really funny, actually. I mean, and it's not played like it's a joke and, and it's actually no, no, very important, but it is mm-hmm. it's also so funny. Yeah, there's just like, yeah, uh, we learn detail and uh, it just comes up. I think a lot of uh, uh, the husband of uh, Rose, the woman who was pushed, uh, who's very angry, hoops, makes this movie move along faster. It's just he's a, a very de- devout uh, man, uh, religious man, uh, doesn't what uh, gets mad that his wife was even. Uh, lied to him about being alone in a room with another uh, mar- another man, uh, even though that man had Alzheimer's disease. Uh, but well, yeah, no, but uh, I think I, th- I think the idea was well, it wasn't it wasn't the man with the Alzheimer's; it was the the his son. It was like the the guy that is accused of being that's pushed. true. Yeah, that's but the yeah, person uh, that he was mad about him being her. Being he did say that, yeah, uh, but uh, his name's Hojat, the husband's name. Uh, and he's yeah, very quick to anger. He's also very condescending towards and that's where the class issue comes in because like they're workers they always want more money for their like keep asking like oh is this how much you're paying for this uh, and uh yeah his uh the wife and of simon the wife is a doctor and uh nadir himself works at a bank so like and, and they're hiring people to take care of their dead so like there is like this little class thing and he just gets angry and angrier throughout the movie and like there's details spread throughout that just keep coming that lead up towards the end like uh uh, Hojet has uh, creditors he owes a bunch of money to, uh, which, you know, leads to like talking about how much is unemployment and why they had to like have this job in the first place and why she wanted to keep uh, coming, even though she knew she, she doesn't want to. She she quit at like two points in this movie yeah. before like, she had to be like talked into it, probably by Hojet himself just because they need money. And even at the end, there's a scene where he talks her into uh, not swearing on the or to try and swear on the core hand. <laughs> yeah, this movie gets to, like I mean- really weird not Kill. even weird paces, just like, what, how do we get here places? It's so funny that you said that that scene reminded you of George Costanza. Cause like, now that I'm thinking about it, like this entire movie is like, I mean, it's definitely not, but it's also like a Seinfeld episode. Like it all hinges on one very weird incident and like delving into it, like as deeply as you can it possibly all, imagine, you know, it all hinges on them getting divorced in the first place. And that has never lost the movie. They still keep visiting that. Yeah. Uh, like, they don't officially get divorced. He just moves in with her mom. Doesn't really tell him where's what what's going on. Uh, but yeah, they have to hire someone to do that. But like, she keeps coming in and back and forth and like bailing him out when he uh, when he's arrested. Uh, he's arrested for murder because he uh, arrested was, was for murder. Movie. Right, I know. It's, uh, and it's this is another thing. I mean, talking about different systems that's so interesting. It's like so the way that I mean, according to a separation, the way the legal system in Iran works is like. 
the two people who are accusing, like he's accused of pushing this woman down the stairs and causing her to lose her baby, which in Iran counts as murder. And so him, her and her husband are just in a tiny, tiny office with another guy who's a judge. And the judge just keeps going, well, so what happened? And then they're, they're like, well, he pushed me. And he's like, well, did you push her? And he's like, no. And he's like, really? (laughs) This is it. This is like your trial, you know? And at the end of it, he's like, he's like, okay, you're going to jail. You're charged with murder. (laughs) You know? Well, like, and then he goes, oh, she, she neglected my dad. I did have to do this. And then, like, he has to, he files a suit that way. Yeah. But yeah, it's all he said, she said. And then he'll, they'll bring up a person. Like, okay, well, we'll just all go, we'll go talk to that person now. And then that person gets involved. And then Hojat's being like, well, it's, that's his child's tutor. He's going to get to her. It's his neighbors. He's talking to them. Uh, wow. Which is like, yeah, he probably has a point here. But also, like, like you're a lower class. <laughs> and also it's just kind of like, at a, I mean, at the cer- at a certain, the first time that he says it, it kind of, I mean, I guess every time he says it, it is justified because he actually has gotten <laughs> to all of them ahead of time. Yeah. But you're also just kind of like, even knowing that as the audience, when he's yelling like, oh, he's good, making them all say this. You're like, oh, shut up, man. Come on. You sound like a crazy person. <laughs> I know. And that judge even like kicks him out. Judge arrests him at one point. So they just get talked out of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, to talk specifically about the Iranian court. Yeah. That judge just seems like he just wants to, keep moving things along because yeah so we're, we're saying it's a room he, it's hot in here open the window he says <laughs> uh, but it's also uh that whole court is like filled with people but like inexplicably i don't i guess i just don't know not to me i don't know why like there's hallways littered with people just well, waiting I think their it's turn one of the things that and there's like other people get, in the room i think it's real easy to get arrested in iran is the thing i think everybody yeah, gets arrested lawsuits, all yeah. the time yeah it's kind of yeah overwhelmingly so and i guess the thing they say right at the beginning is like oh the blood money is 40 million so i I think it's like if he had just paid her 40 million you know iranian monies then it wouldn't have even gone that far like it's just like okay well just pay and then you know don't worry about it yeah um all this stuff comes up and like goes away and then comes back it's just a very yeah like i said it was nominated for uh screenplay which is hardly ever a foreign film uh, unless unless they're really good <laughs> they'll get nominated which wow. is this one is uh yorgos got nominated for screenplays uh, but yeah uh, to compare it to a killing of two lovers uh, which they are very different uh but also like at the center of them is a very angry male uh which like we're saying that he in uh killing of two lovers he tamps it down and hides it a lot but in uh, separation, uh, Nader just seems angry all the time. It just I think it's worse and worse. Yeah. And he's still like practical with his daughter uh, when it comes to schoolwork. Well, lots of crazy uh, shit is happening to him. To be totally fair to him, yeah. like lots of lots of really bad is, things happen to him the whole movie. I mean, the movie starts off with him not wanting to get divorced, but agreeing to divorce anyway. <laughs> And then there's, I mean, there are good comedy touches to the screenplay, like because there's this awful scene right where the the dad. Uh, soils himself and there's this whole awful thing of changing him and everything and first uh the woman the caregiver tells his wife and she goes uh oh he always used to say when he had to go and then the (laughs) husband says exactly the same thing which is pretty funny it's just like a good it's like a good sign it's like a fucking seinfeld episode well so can i just say like and obviously i don't know the prevailing wage in Iran or anything like that, but just for context. So yeah, the blood money they say is 40 million. Uh, it's, it's, it's reals they have in, in, in Iran, which is $950. Just like as a, so that's the, the entire movie is taking place because he doesn't want to pay $900 to this woman for her Damn. Uh, baby being killed. And there is a twist there that we're not, I'm not going to spoil for you, but like 
it does involve uh, them, the two wives meeting in a church and telling truths to each other. Yeah, right. And the yeah, other whole thing of, yeah. is, um, oh, just a one more money thing for me. Like the other whole thing is he, he only wants to pay them 300,000 reals to come. And like, they keep saying like, oh, that's not enough. And he's like, look, it's all I can afford. Okay. And that's what he's paying them per day. That's like $7 a day in, in US money. Yeah. Damn. I didn't really realize that. Damn. Um, but yeah, uh, another thing similar to two lovers, uh, the daughter uh, in this movie who, yeah, she's just being pulled in, di- in directions here. Like she uh, is a pawn for her parents at, at points to uh, like a negotiating tactic, also uh, an illegal tactic to uh, lie and not lie or not lie. Uh, yeah, she's just being pulled in so many directions. It's a, a nice little performance. And I think it's she's related to... Asgar for a hottie. Just I only say think because she has the same last name. Oh, I just looked it up. She is related. <laughs> She's the daughter. <laughs> oh, is she? Oh, okay. And she won a uh, she won a, 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 an award. I forget which film festival, but one of the cooler ones. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. I love to hear about cool people doing cool stuff. Caleb, that rules. Yeah, I think uh, Berlin. If I'm, uh, which is makes me want to look up if Berlin's coming back I mean, this year or if it happened or not already. It was a very, I, I, I thought it was a very interesting movie and it is very like, it is unlike killing of two lovers. It, it, it is two hours plus, like just barely, <laughs> it's just about exactly two hours. So it yeah, really, it really digs in all this uh, detail yeah. on there and it gets overwhelmed. But, uh, like, uh, like two, two lovers, the, the divorce is hanging over the family, like bookends the movie too. Uh, and like, uh, like that too, it's like, is it real? Like, are they really going to get divorced or are they not yeah. going to get divorced? You know? It's very, uh, and also, it's very similar. Like you said, uh, like we were, Chris said at the beginning, like it did raise uh, Farhadi's uh, uh, clout in the film world, which is uh, already like rising. But this solidified. He, he won an, an, uh, two. He's won another Oscar since this movie. So these two Oscars, and he's also uh, made a, a big movie star movie with uh, a good-looking boy and good-looking girl. What are those people's names? I have uh, no idea. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. She made uh, that movie that's uh, beneath him. It's called Everybody Knows. It stars uh, uh, Javier Bardem. I was going to say Anton Sugar. I'm sorry, Ant- uh, Javier Bardem. And uh, I'm going to look it up. Uh, it stars Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. So, yeah, he got to make a, a, a big, sweeping uh, Spanish set movie. He's not Spanish. <laughs> uh, but he's he does cool things now and he's uh hopefully we'll go back to more of these like own written movies that because he's just a, a, a phenomenal screenwriter it is i mean I it is a wrote, very well it is a very well written movie i think right it is it, the characters and the the way that it works together as a plot and i mean it because it's all very like you're saying like little things that are dropped over here have to come over here it's almost like a it's like a mystery movie almost um yeah but it's, it's like, weird that we cracked this seinfeld thing with it because that happens on seinfeld too. it is it's like a fucking seinfeld episode <laughs> it's it a is. if you like seinfeld but you always would like hey i wish this was a two-hour iranian uh domestic drama you, but yeah, full I, of more intrigue and uh and i wish there was a, a child going through emotional turmoil <laughs> then this if, is a perfect movie if you love seinfeld but every once in a while while you're watching it you think like actually, this isn't funny. Like, this is pretty <laughs> fucked up. Then, like, yes, that watch a separation because the separation is 100% on that page with you, you know? Yeah, I don't know, Caleb. Should we move on? Do you want to do the thing that we do? Do the thing that we do. 
Yeah, let's do it. So, Caleb, let's say that um, you had to pick one of these films or obviously you are going to be tragically broken up with by the love of your life, possibly Ooh. ruining your life and driving you Ugh. into some kind of murderous rage. Uh, I really liked um, The Killing of Two Lovers. Uh, uh, I didn't even talk about how cool the sound was and how great I being in a, sitting in a theater and just hearing uh, that tense clash that the sound design does just to pay off the emotion for me. Give me that little like, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be feeling. Thanks, sound. Uh, it's so good. It was so great seeing it. And I'll always remember this as uh, the first great movie I saw in the movie theater. Uh, but I'm going to pick a separation just because I think it's such a fucking phenomenal screenplay. Like I, 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 I It's nothing wrong with that screenplay at all. Uh, this was the only the second time I watched it, and I was still like enraptured as it was like the first time I watched it. I was like, "Oh yeah, I know what's going to happen. I remember this." But oh my gosh, how we did I get on those copy? Like, oh, these things I got here. It's so interesting, and yeah, uh, great acting. Uh, Asghar Fahadi is one of our uh, great directors. Hopefully, uh, you'll be more inclined to check it out. Him out in general, uh, but yeah, my pick is a separation. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tough one for me to, um, because they're both very good movies and, and obviously I think a separation is the better film and in, in a lot of ways, I don't know. It's honestly really tough for me because I, I, it depends on what I think I'm doing at the end of the show. Do you know what I mean? Like, am I recommending a movie I think you would <laughs> like to watch or am I telling you which movie is better? You know, that's basically, cause I would say I enjoyed watching the killing of two lovers more because it just because it's a it's a nice tight watch you know it's it's short and it it has this building tension all throughout it that then is relieved in a way that's like unexpected mm -hmm. and satisfying kind of it to watch right yeah. i think in a lot of ways i um a separation is a better film with like it's better written and the you know and it's very real true to life and it's so so remarkable to see a movie from 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 inside iran but like at the same time, it it was very uncomfortable to watch, you know, and that makes me feel a lot of negative emotions while watching it, um, sure. which I didn't necessarily enjoy, even though I appreciate that it's a good film. So I I don't fucking know, dude. I don't fucking know. You know, <laughs> it's a a, a a choice of taste. Uh, some people like ham. Some people like uh, cocktails. Who who who's to who say, say? Who's who can say? write about anything as long as you're not picking like a lousy divorce drama <laughs> like that. Uh, I don't know, Mr. Wonderful or some bullshit. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll say the other one. I'll say the killing of two lovers, even though That's fine. I, in a way, Isn't I think it it's, in a way, I don't think it's that good of a movie, but it is enjoyable to watch because yeah, because I just feel like it takes you on, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster that really takes you on a mm -hmm. journey, you know? And I think that that's fun to see in the movie theater. And it's an, it's an interesting, um, I'm also glad to have seen it in the theater. I felt like I would have had a really hard time paying attention to it if I had watched it at <laughs> home. But seeing the movie theater was great. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, you got anything else you want to say? I felt like I was cutting you off from saying something about how... Oh, the... no. Uh, if we did, I forgot it already. Okay, well, just this officially, <laughs> I'm going back and giving you a chance to say it. But if okay. you... Okay. I have nothing else to say. It's up for uh, rest in peace, Charles Grodin. I love you. I miss you. Yes, rest in peace, Charles Grodin. I love and miss you too. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so, what an awful thing to have happened. And what a fantastic actor. One of the funniest people, uh, you know, who's ever been on film. Funny in a uh, very particular that, way that I found very yeah. personally inspirational. Yeah, he's a uh, deadpan better than anyone. That's why we don't see a lot of deadpan people too much because someone perfected it already. Exactly. Um, that's it, everybody. Good night. Good night!
going to okay is it recording yes yes lozenger okay okay shut up